This episode is sponsored by Social Venture Partners Boulder County, a nonprofit with a unique mission to strengthen other nonprofits. We can help you implement the strategies, processes, and leadership you need to advance your organization to the next level. Check us out at svpbouldercounty.org. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, everybody, or whatever day you may be listening to this. Uh, Do we even know for sure it's Monday? Because nobody really knows what day it is anymore. No. Time's irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, but we are recording this at on Friday, April 10 at 12.16 p.m. over our lunch break. Uh, just in case anything really wild happened over the weekend, just know that this is recorded on Friday. I know the the days of pre-recording. I mean, we had our bank of pre-recorded. We had what six weeks worth, something like that. Yeah, it was a genius idea at the beginning, but now <laughs> <laughs> it's irrelevant because times are changing so fast. Somebody was saying that they were listening to it, and it was like watching a sitcom where you just want to like yell at people to socially distance better. <laughs> Like, Brittany and Nia, they don't even know what's coming yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's hysterical. Like, trying to warm, warm, warn our, um, our earlier selves? How do you call that? Yeah. Yeah. Our younger selves. Our our younger selves. I have aged about 10 years so far, this pandemic. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. (laughs) Yesterday, I took a shower last night. And I got out and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, shit, you look like hell. And then I remembered, I actually put mascara on yesterday. <laughs> it's just black under my eyes. <laughs> yeah. My girls have definitely said that to me in the mornings when I wake up. What's wrong with your eyes, mommy? Why are they so black? I'm like, oh yeah. I had a video conference call the day before. I thought I would spruce up a little bit. I mean, that's what it's come down to, right? I was on a video call last night and the person was like, why are you wearing earrings? (laughs) Just trying, just trying anything, anything to stay sane and some sense of normalcy. I was on a call yesterday and I really only needed to contribute during the first like 15 minutes. So I... I had on a little jacket, some a little bit of makeup and jewelry, and then as soon as I was done, I turned my camera off and <laughs> started cutting out more masks to sew. <laughs> but the real question is, did you have pants on? I did, but exclusively exercise pants. That's all I've worn for the last three weeks. Well, I don't know if you saw, um, they had, what's her name, Wintour, Anna Wintour from Vogue mm-hmm. magazine. Uh, on TV the other day, and they asked her, she had her glasses, her signature sunglasses yeah, yeah. on, and she looked all 
they had asked her if she had done her own hair and she said yes. And then they asked her if she was wearing pants and she admitted she was wearing sweatpants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even Anna Wintour is <laughs> slumming in the sweatpants. We're going to get through this and everybody's going to be like, why am I ever going to wear slacks again? Like they're just so, true. so unnecessary in our lives. It's true. It's true. Well, I, before we get started, I do want to make a disclaimer that since we are recording uh, remotely, I'm at my house and Nia's at her house, I have two young children, a dog and a very annoying cat in my household. Oh, and I guess my husband. Yeah, yeah. So if there's any sounds in the background, I'm doing the best I can to keep <laughs> them all quiet, but it's fair game. Yep. It's just the way it is. That's why we normally record at Nia's house, where it's quiet. <laughs> Yesterday, I uh, I was on a Zoom call with uh, my personal trainer, who's been helping me rehab since I broke my foot, and I had to lock all the cats in the basement, because otherwise they like will walk between my legs in the middle of a lunge, I mean, all kinds of crazy things. And so through the whole thing, you just hear this, meow, <laughs> I mean, how do you catch 20 cats to put in your basement, Nia? <laughs> I only have three. Three, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, so what are we going to talk about today? I thought the most apropos topic right now was to talk about foundations and how they are responding or not right now amongst COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great topic. So much happening daily. Yes. Uh, this is another one where I got to give mad props to uh, Fundraising Twitter, who ha- has just done a great job of calling out a lot of bullshit, also celebrating the the foundations and organizations that are really stepping up and doing amazing things, um, keeping us all informed uh, on a kind of a global scale, really, about what funders are doing. Um, but it the accolades are not universal. Let me say. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Some funders are not getting with the program and adapting. Yeah. So let's start off with applications. So uh, I've seen a number of funders really shift how they're doing applications, kind of simplifying, um, making it much easier to apply, um, which is great because some of the deadlines require a very quick turnaround when you're already understaffed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then others are not doing that. And it makes me want to drop kick them. Well, I know. Are, and are you talking specifically about um, grants for COVID relief or just kind of in general? In general. I mean, I feel like the, the imperative is that foundations step up and change things, whether it is for a regular deadline or it's for COVID response. But business as usual does not work right now. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, we have a grant that we're applying for right now that calls for seven copies of the application to be hand-delivered in a different city. I mean, it's within the same county, but in a different city from where our offices are located. When we're not in our offices anyways, we're all working from home, but now it's, okay, well, who has a printer that can print off seven copies? who lives closest that can go and drop it off. And the sad thing is um, that they just haven't taken the initiative to put out any kind of announcement changing that. 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not pro that move even when there's not a pandemic. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, and then you got to wonder, okay, so if they're requiring seven copies, it's probably so that each of their trustees can get one. So then are they taking all of these, compiling them and mailing them to their trustees? Cause I'm sure they can't have an in-person meeting. Like, exactly. it's a burden on them to just let us fucking email this shit. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even for a ton of money. I hate to say that. Yeah, but it's true. But it's true. And this is when you start really um, rethinking what's quote unquote worth it or not. Yeah. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do when you are trying to obviously still meet budget goals. Now you've got new expenses with COVID happening, Mm -hmm. um, loss of revenue. And so kind of that scarcity mentality is... um, amplified yeah and you you feel a sense of guilt if you're not trying for every opportunity yeah absolutely yeah so that includes driving across town to deliver applications and it it shouldn't be that way i actually really wonder especially with this funder if they're even going to be open right like if you show up if the doors will be unlocked that you can go in and deliver it right i don't know yeah I don't either. So we've got like just that kind of bullshit. Uh, hard copies, people requiring wet signatures. Um, I mean, just that that bullshit that shouldn't be happening anytime, but especially shouldn't be happening in a pandemic. And then the content requirements. So like, let's just, let's be very clear here. Everybody is working at reduced capacity right now. There's, exactly. There is no way... Anybody can be as productive as they normally are. We've got our own families to deal with. We, I mean, those of you with kids, you are the true heroes right now. I don't know how you're getting through the day. <laughs> <laughs> it is a different shit show every day. And we are just taking it one day at a time. So given that reality that we are all experiencing to varying degrees right now, why require the same level of detail in any kind of application? Your staff on the foundation side doesn't have time to review all of that. We don't have time to provide it. Why aren't you simplifying this shit? Yeah. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. It's just, it, it's really getting me frustrated, especially with some of these like rapid response funds. Okay. So you open up the application. We have a week to compile our narrative attachments, et cetera. And then you get a month to review it and disperse funding. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting too. We were applying for a grant the other day and our whole program delivery has changed for right. the program that we're applying for. And we are, I mean, in real time, trying to find the method to have a virtual platform, right? Mm -hmm. And all the kinks haven't worked out yet. Yeah. And so you're writing, and you don't know how long that's going to last either, Right. right? And so you're writing this grant for this program that still exists, that, you know, we're still committed to delivering, but the details are murky at best. Yep. And it's, you know, is that going to show through? Are they not going? And this isn't even for COVID funding. I mean, this is just for normal program funding. Mm-hmm. 
And having to make that shift on a dime like that is is difficult. Yeah. I saw one foundation. Um, you know what? I'm going to call this shit out. Banfield. Um, so they fund like animal relief, animal shelters, that kind of thing. Um, and they put out a statement saying that they're they're working on a specific coronavirus response fund. And if you are currently funded and you are not going to meet your, you know, requirements, whatever you put forward in your last application, you have to send the funding back now so it can be repurposed for coronavirus. Stop it. It's like, are you fucking kidding right now? These nonprofits that are struggling already, you should be saying that is immediately converted over to a general operating grant. Do whatever the fuck you need to do to keep your animals safe, to keep your organization running. And instead you're asking for the money back. That's shameful. Oh, it's awful. Well, and it's even, what about these? So we've had funders that provide, you know, normal, regular program funding, who now, in addition to that, are doing COVID-specific funding, right? Mm -hmm. But then we have other funders who are now changing their funding focus. Yeah. So all of a sudden, a grant that we have, you know, budgeted for, that we've gotten for the last couple of years and are hoping to get again, is now not an option um, if we don't fit into their COVID relief criteria. Right, right. And that's kind of shitty too. Well, and it's also just so short-sighted. Like, I get that we have this immediate need, and here's where foundations could really step up and release additional funding. Additional funding, to be clear. Additional funding. Additional funding. But, like, the recovery from this is going to be extensive and long-term, and the impacts we don't even fully understand yet. And so if an organization you believe has had enough value for you to fund in the past, why would you now make them ineligible for the funding that you're providing today. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It's also been really interesting to see these uh, rapid response opportunities, how quick that turnaround can be. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of shining a light on. I mean, I mean, I know it's different. It's not going through the same process, review process as kind of these bigger grants are, but I'm like, see, you can deliver money in one week. (laughs) Oh, look at, you finally have ACH capabilities. Wow. I I thought that wasn't feasible for you. (laughs) Right. And then you have some funders who, um, we have one in particular who out of the blue just sent us an email and said, we went through and we consider, you know, we looked at who we consider our partner organizations and we're just sending you $5,000. Yes. We didn't ask for it. We didn't write a grant for it. They didn't restrict it. It can mm-hmm. be used for anything we want. And they even apologized that it wasn't more, mm-hmm. but said, here you go. And we got it within a week. Yep. Love that. I, I had brilliant. I saw another funder whose deadline is usually, I think mid to late May, who emailed out to all of their um, grantees from last year and said, we're just reauthorizing last year's grant. Do not touch an application. Don't worry about reports. Just do the important work you're doing. I was like, see, that that's where you feel like it's a true partnership. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Then we've got some funds, uh, and I'm seeing this, you know, this is one I'm really struggling with. I'll be honest with, with you, uh, Brittany and all of our listeners. <laughs> yes, Nia. I'm here. I'm listening. Um, you know, some foundations who have stepped up and said, 
we are going to determine who gets the funds right now. We don't want you to waste time with an application. That's the piece I'm all on for, on board with. Like, don't waste time with an application. But then they're going through and determining who is at most need right now in terms of COVID response. Yeah. And I quite frankly, don't trust that they have the expertise internally to make those determinations. And in their first round of grants, I read through and I was like, you know, they, they have some of the obvious ones, like the, the folks who we know are, are pretty impacted right now. And there's, there's no deeper level, right? Like they, they don't have that deeper understanding of the full safety net of services that are necessary in this moment. So it's sort of a catch-22. Right. Yeah. I'm all for reducing requirements for nonprofits, but you also need to ensure that you you both have the skills and abilities, but also the trust. I mean, that's probably what I'm expressing is I just don't trust this foundation to make the right decisions for my community. So what is this teaching us or shining a light on that maybe could improve this moving forward? Yeah. Oh, gosh. There's so many things. Um I mean, I, th- I'm hoping that some of the changes that are happening right now, like shifting into general operating dollars, uh, reducing application requirements, that that maintains, right? Like that, the, it's not just a disaster response, but that they can continue. Um, and I think it's also really showing us which foundations uh, have better values alignment with the sector as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got an. It was an auto-generated email, so I'm going to give them a little bit of grace that maybe they didn't think to go and update this, but I got an automated email through one foundation reminding us of our report due April 15. And I want to be like, go fuck yourselves. Are you kidding right now? Right. You you want to report right now when we we have exponentially increased production in terms of our program delivery to meet this immediate need, and you want us to to write a 10-page report, including attachments, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, that's my concern, too, when you say immediate need. You know, there has been this kind of immediate response by funders, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I just hope, you know, what what's happening now is going to affect our nonprofits for months to years to come. Yeah. And so I hope that that is also understood. You know, yes, I understand it's not foundation's responsibilities to necessarily fill the gap when an organization has to cancel a big fundraising event, right? But recognizing the se- what the sector is going through, that that's a reality for a lot of these nonprofits. And so if you want to be an ally... That and you have the funds. You have the funds. You have the goddamn funds. You have the funds. Then this is the time to open up those increased opportunities for funding over the next couple of years, so that they can recoup those costs and stay open. Yeah. I, somebody um, on Twitter, I, I actually retweeted this, said something like, "Oh, cool. So glad that you're saving money for 450 years from now." With your, you know, tight endowment plan, but we could really use some of that today, right? Right. Like I, I've been really, uh, Im- not embarrassed because it's not me doing it, but uh, disappointed to see um, a few funders who I, I had thought were kind of better situated and and more uh, aware of the issues who did release statements saying. 
either we're pausing our funding processes because of the market, we're reducing our grants this year. And I'm like, you are sitting on millions and millions of dollars that could legitimately save your nonprofit sector right now. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And what about them stepping up and being a leader in the space to talk to their fund holders? Yeah. Well, there was just an article in the Chronicle of Philanthropy. I'll uh, I'll make sure I find it and add it into the show notes um, that had this letter co-signed by a bunch of foundations who were calling on other foundations to either give more, to um, really push out communications to their donor-advised funds to get them to be releasing dollars. Yes. Um, and unrestricted dollars. Unrestricted dollars. Um, and so I, it, it's been great to kind of see this groundswell of people pushing on that. Um, and I, I'll admit, I've been a little disappointed there hasn't been more here in Colorado, quite frankly. Yeah. We've had a lot of COVID response funds, um, a lot of foundations stepping up to do things, but kind of that coordinated effort to say philanthropy matters right now and we can change how much this impacts our community. That's the the message I'm not hearing. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's kind of a core theme of this episode is around communication and I want to applaud the foundations who have gotten in front of it, who um, have taken the initiative to reach out first. And for example, the ones that have reached out to us to say, hey, we recognize this is going to be um, an unprecedented year and don't stress about your reports and don't stress about hitting these metrics that you put in your application right now. Mm-hmm. Like we, we will deal with it later Yeah, um, because it takes a lot of burden off of our staff. Oh, totally. Who's, you know, who's sitting here saying, oh my gosh, we told them we were going to serve X amount or we were going to do X amount of this. And now we're only doing this amount, but we're changing it or we're going to maybe reach the same amount of people, but in a different way. So the delivery is different. And, um, you know, we need to be focused on serving our clients first and foremost. Yeah. I work with an organization that, um, supports folks returning from incarceration, um, and it's been really interesting because we've been prepping this narrative, both for foundations, but also for some general fundraising, um, because the Department of Corrections has this plan to um, allow for early parole for a bunch of folks to mm-hmm. reduce populations. Um, but it's not happening. And so we, we have this narrative ready of like, we we know like we're going to be seeing these people, they've prepped on their staff side. They've really staffed up and figured out how they're going to handle this volume. But um, in order to get parole, you have to have safe housing. And people aren't able to to kind of graduate out of that housing and open up slots for people because they're not working right now. Because 17 million people are out of jobs? Yeah. And so it's it, it was such an interesting like trickle down of all of these impacts to them to be like, we're waiting for this deluge that hasn't come. And how do we explain this um, to funders? Um, because they haven't had somebody new enter into their program now in a couple weeks. But it's going to happen, we think, possibly soon. And so we're like writing grant reports and even um, just sending out some updates to funders. And it's it's such a place of like we're waiting for so many unknowns. And I know that's what a lot of organizations are 
experiencing right now. Like there's just massive question marks on everything um, and timelines that, you you know, you throw out 30 minutes after you've drafted them because they don't make sense anymore. Absolutely. And budgets. Oh my gosh. What even is a budget today? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I'm going to write a forecasted budget for today. Then tomorrow I'm going to write a forecasted budget for tomorrow because they won't be the same. Oh, no way. There is no way. Um, well, you know, we talked about it in the last Grants episode um, uh, about evaluation. Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a big one with funders, um, having to reevaluate <laughs> what they're asking for, mm-hmm. for evaluation when everything's changing. And I think I had said this, I know I did in that episode, um, that I had gone to see someone speak who that's what she does. She's a consultant, um, for evaluation. And she really felt like what funders should be asking as a metric for, um, an organization's kind of viability is, how well they adapt, like what Mm. they learn from their program delivery, what doesn't work well, and then how they adapt that. And that is what nonprofits are going to be showing this year. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just talking to one of my clients who does um, a Meals on Wheels kind of program, and they have streamlined everything and like really um, done like a rapid intake process because there are been a massive number of folks who all of a sudden can't feed themselves. Um, and so they didn't want to go through the same process, but then one of the things that they cut out was like some of those intake questionnaire, um, uh, surveys that provides the pre data to then their mid-year survey. Right. And so they're like, well, shit, we're not going to have good evaluation on this. And it's like, yeah, but you, you got to just serve them, right? You yeah. just got to get food in their hands. Like, we can figure out if their quality of life has improved post pandemic in some other right. way, but right, right now we, we literally just need them to be fed. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of our takeaways? Well, I think once again, this is really a call to foundations to step the fuck up, get their head out of their asses. Um, actually look at their processes and what could be deterrence to nonprofits right now to think critically about what they do and then to think about how these could be implemented long-term so that they continue to reduce the burden on nonprofits. Um, You know, we talk about partnership and I've got that in big air quotes right now. What does partnership look like with a massive power dynamic that continues to be leveraged by those with money? Right. If we can't break that down in the middle of a pandemic when everybody's struggling, when can we? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, for them to have maybe a little bit of perspective of what's going on at the organization's level, um, you know, like you, we talked about earlier of working at um, reduced capacity and scrambling to be able to serve their clients in the way that they need it and that maybe reducing their expectations a little bit. And having a little more flexibility with how they're asking for things, when they're asking for things, what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And also recognizing their importance right now. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, we need you. The mm. the sector needs you. Yeah. Well, and I think that also goes to the importance of communication right now. I feel like mm-hmm. every nonprofit I've even like sniffed at has emailed me <laughs> the last few weeks. <laughs> and foundations need to be doing the same, right? Like be reaching out to your past grantees, reach out to prospective ones, let them know how you're adapting, let them know that you're in it with them. Um, Because I also want to recognize like foundation staff are going through the same thing. They're at home with their kids running in on Zoom calls and the whole nine. Um, So this is an opportunity for us to really come together and, and partner in ways that we haven't before recognizing this, this limited capacity. Um, I was, I was talking to a client yesterday and you could tell she was just like a shell of herself, just trying to get through the day. And, and I just wanted to hug her, which of course I just want to hug everybody right now and we can't. And my husband's really bad at hugs. And you may never again. They say Dr. Fauci's like, we may never shake hands again. I'm okay with shaking hands. If he doesn't want us to shake hands, he definitely doesn't want us hugging. And I'm a hugger, so it's going to change my life forever. (laughs) But, you know, I just, like, wanted to hug her and be like, it's okay. Like, we're going to figure this out. You're going to get through this. And at the same time, like, the issues she was dealing with were, were very real. And half of them are imposed by funders or donors who have fucking ridiculous expectations right now. Well, I think, and this goes for everything, right? Not even just in work, but it's such um, an unstable time right now. And anything that anyone can do to provide a level of stability for someone else Mm -hmm. is, I mean, amazing. And so again, to speak to having that email that says, Hey, don't worry about the reporting. Yeah. You know, don't worry about this. We'll figure it out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much. That what a has, relief. What a relief. It's created a level of stability with something that was an unknown. Now we can focus on something else. So. Such a good point. I love that. I was talking to some other consultants uh, earlier this week, and we were bo- we were all kind of saying, like, we have been exposed to so much trauma through this mm-hmm. because we continue to be the people, like, trying to calm down our clients, letting them know we'll get through this, trying to support them. And so not only do we have, like, the uh, the actual issues in our community, but then we're just holding so much space for these really hard conversations. Um, and it, it it dawned on me that, like, all of us just need to be gentle to ourselves and each other. Like I'm going to get off this call and I'm done for the day. Like I, yeah. I, I can't work a full 40 hour week right now and that's okay. Right. It's taken me what, uh, three weeks, four weeks into the pandemic <laughs> to accept that. <laughs> but Hey, all of our listeners out there, if I can accept that you can too. <laughs> Your mom's going to be so proud of you. <laughs> I know. That's funny. Uh, Absolutely. And then for nonprofit staff, you know, I think a takeaway is, I don't know, just take it a day at a time. One day at a time. That's, that's literally all we can do right now. And don't get too attached. I mean, everything is just moving so much. It's ebbing and flowing that, you know, if, if you take a loss somewhere, um, obviously that can be devastating, but recognize that there's potentially new opportunities on the horizon and 
So, you know, just keep, keep putting one foot in front of the other. One foot in the front of the other. While staying in your house. <laughs> so making really small circles. Very small steps. <laughs> On your labyrinth that you create within your home. All right. Well, I think that that about does it for today. Who knows what next week's episode is going to be about. But we can confirm we will be back every Monday. That is our commitment during this pandemic. We know you need a little break. Um, So keep tuning in every week and we'll be there with you. And check out our new website. Yay. Yay. The nonprofit reframe.com and send us emails and let us know um, or hit us up on socials. Let us know what you want to hear about. Please do. We're at Nonprofit Reframe on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And please, 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 please don't forget now more than ever, it is time to support your local nonprofits. If you have the capacity, give any amount. But if you have even more capacity, give generously. Thanks, y'all. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com and Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.